Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the Profit Productivity Podcast. It's your host, Michael Tipper. Who else would it be? Now, today's episode is called Not All Hours Are Made Equal, and I'll explain why I've called it that in a second. Now, today I ran a productivity masterclass for a highly successful training company based out in Pakistan. And we had attendees from Pakistan and the Middle East. And I I called the session that I was running for them, Not All Hours Are Made Equal. What I want to do in this episode is just summarize some of the key takeaways that I shared with the audience, because I think they're timely and they certainly help me and uh, they may even help you as well. So um, how do you structure a masterclass? That's a really good question, and I'm assuming that you might want to know. So in this episode, I'm going to talk you through how I do that and some of the key takeaways that came out of this masterclass. So if you go to the blog, uh, the, the site for this podcast, which is profitproductivity.com, and dig out this episode, you will find on there I've put a couple of mind maps. These are mind maps I actually used today to deliver the session. And uh, they'll be useful for you to uh, maybe go and have a look at and listen to them and listen to this whilst you're looking at them because it will really help you understand uh, the details of this. Although I will give this uh, as much clarity as I possibly can so that you don't have to go and see the mind maps. But just as a matter of interest, it might be something worth your time, five minutes to go and have a look how it all works. So how do I decide what to cover in a masterclass? Well, it's important to understand that when I'm working with a client organization, there are actually two levels of client. The first level of client is the actual organization themselves. Because when they engage a speaker to come and work with them, there are two levels that they want. First of all, they want to make sure that their clients are going to get a good session, something that's valuable. They want an authoritative speaker. They want someone who can speak with authority, with credibility, someone who understands the topic, understands how to apply it, um, is engaging, is entertaining, provides insights, gets them to think. They want that sort of speaker. But also, that aside, probably the biggest thing they want, really want is a speaker they can work with. Someone who's going to be professional in how they deal with them, who's going to be punctual, who's going to provide them all the information they need when they're putting together their marketing, who's going to help them guide or help guide them to give them give their clients the best possible experience. So there are two levels there. So this company found me on LinkedIn um, six, seven weeks ago, approached me, and then we started developing the themes and the outlines for what we wanted to do. Now, the other level of client, of course, is the client themselves, the people who are going to be listening to what I talk about, the actual audience. Now, we never really know what they want. Um, specifically. So what we do is we ask them. So part of the process ahead of time is we send out a survey link, which is a short video introducing myself and saying, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come and help you. I'm going to come and talk to you about productivity. What is it you want to know? And I ask them what their number one problem is, what their biggest question is, and offer them a few themes to say, look, these are popular themes. Which would you choose if you had to choose one? And from that, I get a good idea of what the audience wants. And I found over time that there are consistent themes that come out, consistent questions, um, particularly when you work a lot with clients who, whose audiences come from large organisations. You can see some consistent themes, some consistent questions. Um, but it's really good to get an insight into what the actual audience wants. So that's the first step that we do. So I built up a... 45-minute masterclass based on what I thought the key takeaways were and 
how to put that across in the most effective way possible. So the outcome for this particular day today was all about showing them how they could potentially get an extra hour of productive work. Not an extra hour of time, but an extra hour of productive work out of the time they're already putting in. Now, a key thing that I need to get across them is that they can't manage time, but they can manage what they do with that time. And that the only thing that they can shift is their behavior. What can they do differently? They probably know a lot of the stuff I was going to share with them anyway, but most of them probably aren't doing it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had the challenges that came out in the list. And so there are a number of things that you can do, that you can change, that you can tweak in improving your productivity. Your identity, your values, your beliefs, your attitude, your skills, uh, the knowledge that you have, um, the standards you set for yourself. But fundamentally, the, the biggest thing to change is your habits. And all a habit is is a behavior that you do repeatedly and becomes automatic. So I was focusing them at the beginning saying, look, I'm going to share some great stuff with you. Some really good ideas. It works because I've made it work myself. I know it's worked because it's worked for hundreds, even thousands of other people too. But it's okay knowing it. You actually have to got to go and do something with it. So I told them that today they were going to get no notes. In fact, I said to them today, I'm going to summarize today in just seven words. The key takeaways will be summarized in just seven words. So I outlined my philosophy uh, my philosophy is do more important work in a more focused way, more often and for longer. If you just shaped your activities around that mantra, do more important work in a more focused way, more often and for longer, you would get so much more done. So I share that because it's important for them to understand what my frame of reference is when I'm talking about these things, because it gives a flavor, gives a context to some of the things I recommend. So I started with a story. And the story I started with was when I used to work, I did some work with an organization that sold trading, trading training, so how to sell, how to trade on the stock markets and how to sell, how to trade on Forex, for example. And I talked about how they used to have a sales model where they would have a two-hour freebie session and the people who went to that were then followed up to see if they would buy the three-day big gun session. And I talked about how their ninja salespeople were only brought into the process of influencing people to buy the three-day seminar after they'd been to the two-hour taster session. And I can remember looking at this a few years ago and thinking, that doesn't seem right because the, the block there is the two-hour taste session because you don't get people there. You haven't got a list of people to promote to, to sell to. So really, those big ninja salespeople should be persuading more people to go to the two-hour taster session as well. Now, I could see this quite clearly, and I can remember uh, looking at this and thinking, they've got it the wrong way around. They're not applying their big guns in the right place. And I was listening to a sales trainer recently who said that not all leads are equal in terms of the, where a, uh, a prospect may take you in terms of business. And it's the same with salespeople. Not all salespeople are equal. And that's when I, I came with this idea, well, not all hours are equal. And if you, if you try to put your hours 
the wrong hours at the wrong, uh, or apply to do work at the wrong time, then you're applying your hours in the wrong place, then they're not going to be as effective as they could be. And that's where the theme came around. Now, I'm still playing with the wording of this theme and how to do it, but that essentially was the basis of the title. So having told that story, I wanted to share, with, so I've got the framework now of that some of the hours that you're going to get are going to be more productive than others. And it's quite possible at the moment you may be using your less productive hours for the more uh, the the tasks that require more of your productivity. So that was the underlying theme. So then I talked about the brain, explained to them how the brain, we're hardwired for distraction and why we tend to put things off and how it's a natural thing for us and understanding a little bit about brain chemistry. It's a great fundamental to have because when you understand that, you can start to see what's actually going on. And really, all that's happening when we're putting things off and getting easily distracted is we're just doing what we naturally do. We're just doing what we're hardwired to do. We're just doing what the brain does. So that's the context for it. So then I went into multitasking and talked about why, why, are we doing multi, why are we doing multitasking. It was really interesting with this particular group, how much they wanted to hang on to multitasking why they think they should be able to do it. And that actually, that culturally, there's almost this thing, well, I've got to be seen to be doing lots of things. It was very interesting to get that from their, uh, the feedback and the questions. And when I say culturally, I mean their organizational culture. Um, that was what was coming through there. So I talked about that and I gave them a, some research as to, uh, or an explanation of why multitasking doesn't work. And then I gave them... Um, an actual experience so they really embedded it and could actually understand that they can't multitask and it's a very very powerful demonstration that uh, the first time I ever saw it I thought wow and I've made variants of that now and it works really really well so out of that I pointed out that one of the reasons for multitasking is the constant distraction causes us to shift to another task we're hardwired for distraction, so it's quite easy for us to see something else and start working on that as well. And if that's backed by an organizational culture that likes to see you do many, many things, then you're just set up for wasting a lot of time. I showed that. And so the first, the first tip was go and hide. Go and hide. And what I meant by that, that was just a metaphor for getting rid of all the distractions, turning off your email alerts, turning off your notifications on your smartphone, just shutting out anything that's going to get in the way of you focusing. Something that's going to allow you to do more important work in a more focused way. That's what we're talking about. So that was the first tip. So we talked about that. Then, then we got on to this concept of doing your worst things first. Brian Tracy wrote a fabulous book called Eat the Frog. And it comes from a Mark Twain quote, which basically said, if the first thing you did every day was eat a live frog, your day could only get better. Although I think the quote actually goes, if your job is to eat a live frog, then best do it first thing in the morning. Um, and then it goes on to say, and if your job is to eat two live frogs, eat the biggest one first. And so the metaphor there is that you should do your worst things first. So I explained that and I shared what most people do, which is start their day with some trivial stuff to get warmed up. And I explained how that's really not a good idea because we only have so much mental energy. And if you waste it on trivial tasks, there's not much left at the end of the day for the bigger stuff. And this is where the not all hours are made equal comes from. Because... What that shows is if you are doing trivial, easy stuff to get warmed up in the morning, you're applying your best guns on, your, on the tasks that require the least effort and the least of your productivity. And by the time you get to the end of the day when you're probably leaving some of your bigger tasks, 
your energy is depleted and it's like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And that cycle repeats and repeats and repeats until eventually the deadline for whatever that big task is is so close, you just have to do it and you feel so stressed. You think, I'm going to start earlier next time. And so the second takeaway was to eat the frog. Eat the frog. So cut out the distractions is the first one. So go and hide. Eat the frog was the next one, which is all about making sure when you do start work, you start on the biggest, meatiest, chunkiest task. It was interesting how there's a bit of kickback on that, how people wanting to do the easy tasks or trying to justify why doing the easy tasks was a good thing because it made them productive. Of course, all that's happening there is they feel productive. It feels good because they're getting a hit of dopamine because they're achieving something. If you achieve lots of little tasks, you can get lots of hits of dopamine. That's going to be better than spending the same time trying to do one big task where it's difficult and you may not get that, that dopamine hit. It feels wrong. But that's because that's how our brain confuses us into thinking that doing small trivial stuff is actually good for us. And then the last bit was talking about procrastination. I explained what procrastination is and why it's caused. And fundamentally, it's because the mammalian brain doesn't like to do things that are uncomfortable. It has a target focus of now, so it's drawn into doing things now, which means anything that needs to be done that requires significant work is always left last minute because the deadline isn't meaningful enough. It's only when you get this sudden burst of, oh my God, it's tomorrow, that you suddenly get the impetus to act on doing those things. That's why people leave things to the last minute. It's because they haven't had that sense of urgency, that spark, that excitement, um, or is it tension? I'm not quite sure which it is. Or is it terror? Um, to get people going. So the solution that I offer them, and there are many solutions, but this is the solution that I offer, is it combines my favourite quote, which is, resistance is often a lack of clarity, which comes from Chip and Dan Heath, and my most, uh, I think the most impactful metaphor, which is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And basically I explain that if you take a big task and chop it up to little small tasks and then just do the little small tasks one by one by one. In fact, what you do is just eat up the, each task and actually you munch it up. And I call this my munch, 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 munch strategy. So the uh, third tip is just called, it's called munch, 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 munch. Is you take a, take a big task, you chop it up and just eat them one by one. And of course, the munch, 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 munch is something that sticks in their mind because of the way I deliver it. And uh, they, in fact, they referred to it a couple of times when I asked them what the big takeaway, and it was the munch, 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 munch. So that's the third takeaway, munch. So in seven words, we've got go hide, go and hide, eat the frog, munch. That's it. Seven words summarise the key takeaways of today. I recapped it. We had a QA, and a some really interesting questions. And it was interesting to see some of the people asking the questions wanting to hang on to the old way because it's the familiar way. But it's not necessarily the best way. And if they take what I shared with them and not just write it down, oh, it would be easy to write down because it's just seven words, but actually do something with it by shutting out the distractions, focusing on the big meaty tasks, and then breaking up into smaller tasks and just munch, 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 munch. And that's how it's done. So that was today's masterclass. I um, always enjoy delivering these things, have a lot of fun. Um, I enjoy the process and the feedback I got was very positive and uh, I'm looking forward to doing this and variations of it with future audiences. So that's how a masterclass is 
put together. That's how it's organized. That's an example of one form of masterclass. This one that I shared today will very much be a common one because the themes tend to be the same. And I'm going to be building up this and fine tuning and polishing this to make this even better for future deliveries. So as I said, come over to profitproductivity.com, dig out this episode. It's called Not All Hours Are Made Equal. Find the title for that and you'll see the mind maps that I've just shared with you as I've talked through this. So that is today's episode. Until tomorrow.